Welcome back to the Like a Bigfoot podcast. This is number 213, and I am so psyched because 201 episodes ago, I sat down and talked with one of the coolest dudes ever. This is the dude that told me when I'm tired and exhausted and beat up and bonking in an ultra to imagine myself as if I were Raiden or Raiden or whatever from Mortal Kombat, the guy who shot lightning out of his hands. He's like, you imagine yourself shooting lightning bolts out of your fingertips and just by doing that visualization, you will get energy. My mind was blown. I've been doing that ever since. So uh, it's a, and not only that, that's like one tiny, you know, five seconds of knowledge and wisdom nuggets that he's he just dropped on me <laughs> um and so anyways i guess without further ado we're talking to cameron dorn uh cameron like i said i talked to him for episode number 12 and it was about his world record setting day of burpees where for 24 hours he did burpees uh and and set the world record the guinness world record which i think since then has maybe been been increased by somebody else or whatever but Cameron is just he's such a uniquely incredible person that just meeting him for that day and running that 50k and then having a few conversations here and there since then I mean he's just he's so memorable you know you meet him and you're like whoa like that guy is a badass <laughs> like he's like i want to learn more from that guy i want to hang out with that dude more um and and yeah that episode number 12 is one of my favorites from this whole podcast uh series that i've done uh that one entertains me inspires me it it uh it's it teaches me you know lessons and it's all through this incredible story of this dude jumping up and down for 24 hours doing burpees and having his eyeball freeze and in place and all that um so long story short if you're if you haven't listened to that one i would highly suggest going back and as soon as you're done with this one i guarantee you you're gonna want to go back to number 12 and listen to cameron uh drop some knowledge um i'm having him back on the show this week uh, which i was very excited for um he had just set another world record this time with no fanfare no one cheering him on just him in his apartment doing step-ups for eight hours and seeing how many he could actually complete in that time um, and he was able to accomplish it we'll get into that story um but he's also a world traveler uh he's also climbed mountains in uganda he's gone all the way around the world exploring um our world um, along with exploring his own, you know, physical limitations, which are seemingly limitless at this point. I mean, the dude is is awesome. So anyways, let's just get it right into it. This is the Like a Bigfoot podcast number 213 with Cameron Dorn. All right, guys. Today we're joined uh, again with Cameron Dorn. And Cameron, man, it was—it's been a while. I think you're on like episode number twelve. I think you were the first person where I had met you during a race, but I didn't really like fully know you. And I had you on the show, and and so 
anyways, after I interviewed you, I was like, oh my God, like I can just interview like really cool, random people. Like this is awesome. So anyways, thank you for that. Certainly, man. Great time running up those uh, Mount Mitchell, the highest point um, east of the Mississippi. I think we did it three times, you know, together. Yeah, man. Well, and it's funny, I, I've brought you up in my science classes before when we talk about energy. I'm like, let me tell you a story about this dude where I was destroyed by these mountains and he just sprinted right by me like, hey, I'll see you at the finish line. I'm like, okay. <laughs> that's it man yeah so anyways dude yeah welcome back thank you for for coming on the show yeah you're welcome good to see you again chris yeah so can you kind of like catch us up like give us a recap you know we talked to you three years ago what what's been going on in your life uh since then yeah i think so 20 it was late 2016 almost four four years ago so that's nuts man um started a company in 2013 called the suitcase of courage um, it's designed for employee health and wellness for like large manufacturing corporations. Um, really taking off there. We've got a program called Fujifilm Fit that's now we built gyms in 12 states. And then we look to train the trainers. So their existing employees, we then train them to be yoga instructors, body fit instructors, or kind of like when we race couch to 5K and how to use heart rate and then yeah. train them to do their first 5K along with looking at preventable musculoskeletal injuries for their workforce and then putting them on proactive um, exercises that have a pre and post test to show them the difference of what five to seven minutes a day targeted at like shoulder range of motion will do. That's amazing, man. And like, you know, just, I guess you're, it's probably uh, improves productivity in workplaces. I have to imagine. Yeah, it's one of those things. I try not to claim everything under the sun <laughs> as a benefit, but it is definitely a positive externality. And we keep a success story tracker for people that have said, hey, I've lost weight from this program. Or perhaps a gentleman like in Rhode Island, his shoulders hurt him when he rode his motorcycle. Um, but this guy was probably mid-50s, and he was like, I'll never – he's one of those people when the exercises came, he was hesitant at first. Yeah. But the cool thing is, is after about a month or two of the exercises, he actually took the resistance band home with him because it helped him when he rode his motorcycle. So it's just cool to make an impact like that. Yeah, man. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, and also, you know, just from kind of following you on, on social media, like it seems like you're always outside. You're like a very active dude, um, doing all sorts of different things, not just, uh, not just, you're not like, you're not just in one area of sport. You're like all over the place. That's it. I, I and I move every eight months for a project. So yeah. <laughs> my thing is like, you have this amount of time to see this area. Uh, so just go out and explore. Like I'm in Arizona now at the superstition mountains and there's all kinds of folklore about the lost Dutchman's gold. I've read like three books on it, but I'm like, I'm just going to get a topo map and I'm going to highlight every trail possible that I can do and make notes. Yeah. So it's just like a reason to get up at 4:45 in the morning, get outside and, and go for it, man. <laughs> Are you going to find the gold? Um, I, I think if I say that somebody might start backing us after this podcast, <laughs> you know, so I will defer to whoever's looking for the gold. And if I do find it, they can have it. So please, you know, <laughs> you know, shoot me in the back or something. <laughs> That's awesome. So where have you, where has your travels taken you, you know, over the last oh, few years? Man, I think now I've been to close to like 60 different countries. One of my personal goals is to visit a new country for every year of my life. And so right now I'm batting around 1.5 countries for every year of my life. 
Um, since then, I went to, after we talked, I was in actually California and I flew on my bot, um, flew to Denmark the next year. Didn't have a plan, put my bike together in Copenhagen and just free camping is legal wherever. So I just had a map, cycled every day and ended up putting 1,100 miles in in roughly yeah. 10 days. Dude, just epic days <laughs> on the bike and went through Denmark to Sweden. I got pulled over on the interstate in Sweden. <laughs> I didn't know it was their interstate because it was such a nice road and it was only two lane. And these guys are like giving me the finger, like, no, 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 the police, you have to, I had to walk my bike back a mile and a half. They wouldn't even let me ride it or give me a ride. And then I just took random roads. So I made it into Sweden the first day. And then I was actually going to Estonia or I was going to Finland where I had a friend um, from college, Janneke. And I set up camp and that, that day, I had rode about 120 miles, beautiful camp next to the lake, but there's a ferry that goes from Stockholm to Turku yeah. and it was sold out for the next two days. <laughs> so after I set up camp, Chris, no sleep. I just had like one of these little headlamps, like the camping headlamps or climbing headlamps, no yeah. light on my bike. Dude, made up camp, rode through the night, like another 60 miles to Stockholm. <laughs> listening to Bob Seeger against the wind on my iPhone to stay awake. <laughs> I, I go into this 24 hour grocery mart and this lady looks at me. I still have my headlamp on. Cause I'm just like fired up on endorphins. You're all jacked up on Bob Seeger. Yeah. And she's like, where are you going? I was like, Stockholm. <laughs> I made it to the ferry. I'm on my bike and there's like all these Russians with the big 18 wheelers going on because they're going across the Finland and the Russia. And I just ride my bike on right before them, get on the ferry, have a flat tire, like literally on the ferry. And then <laughs> I made it in the nick of time, passed out for like the seven hour journey, then saw Yannicka and party hard in Turkey. <laughs> That's amazing. That was an epic trip. I went to Turku, then cycled through Finland, made it to Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania, and all the way down to Warsaw in Poland. Dude, so you knocked off a whole bunch of countries there. Dude, yeah, I was just, I was riding all day long. Yeah. Yeah, what's that like? I mean, you know, like, what are the, what are the roads like? Is it, is it similar to America if you're doing, like, a cycle tour here or, or what? Super nice. There's some places, like, in Sweden and Finland where there's a road beside the road, like, just for the bike. And really? in the middle of the country. And then there's places, like, in Estonia, Tallinn's really nice. But outside of that, like the road would just turn to dirt or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just rolling on a 28 millimeter tire with um, like my panniers and stuff. They broke due to vibration. So I had a, my dad always taught me how to use like hair bands to like really minimize the packing and clothes. Yeah. So I, I worked it back together in like this Russian Orthodox church and kept it going. And it was just held together with hair bands, hair bands till I could find a screw. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, so let me ask you this, like when it comes to something like that, um, obviously like adaptability is so key in, in an adventure like that, but what other like traits are you finding useful? Yeah. I think just the willingness to let go of what we know is normal, right. Yeah. And to be where you are that day and knowing just, I, I might be riding along and everything's going well and the road goes to dirt. Okay. We're going to take this moment for what it is and just kind of ride the highs and lows, but stay a, a steady medium. It's like running an ultra, right? Like you don't want to get too high, but then if things get too bad or it starts raining, like when I was in Latvia, 
man, I, there was only like this busy road with massive like 18 wheelers coming by and it was raining and there was a headwind. So I'm like, what's that song break onto the other side? I kept seeing that the whole time. I'm like, just find a little nugget of positivity. Yeah. <laughs> Keep yourself straight as close as you can to that white line and everything's going to be all right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's all you can do, right? Like you're just controlling what you can control in that moment. That's right. Inside your sphere of influence. I cannot determine if that driver is going to veer over and tap me or anything, but that was my only choice to get to the next point. That's what I had to do. Yeah. And then like along the way, if I saw something interesting, making sure I made time to stop and take that in, even if it was a brief 10, 15 minutes, um, kind of like when you're driving down the road now, I just stop at all historical markers. It's a rule. Like take that in, learn about the place and you appreciate it a little bit more. doesn't take that much time, but you might learn something totally new and then that stays with you the rest of your life. It's kind yeah. of way up. Yeah. And I'm always just like, when am I going to be in this spot again? You know, like it might never happen again, especially, you know, if you're overseas somewhere, you know? Yeah. I, I could not agree more, man. Take it. Yeah. You're not, especially with our health, we're not guaranteed our health 10 years from now. So if we're healthy, we've got the eyes to read that historical marker and we've got the time to do so take it all in. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know just like I said, I know that you've been, uh, you know, doing the Boston marathon a few times over the last few years. Like, and I'm also aware of just like the amount of focus and training that is involved to even qualify for that. Like, how are you balancing that with, with everything else you're doing? Yeah. I think just accountability to myself, owning a health and wellness company, Boston's kind of like some people may, I mean, it's a standard, right? Three hours is not extremely fast on a marathon or anything, but it does take specific training year after year to hit. Yeah, and I've been I've been lucky to qualify every year at Boston, requalify except oh one nice, year. yeah. So I just aim to hit around two fifty three to you know I've I've had the same time really close like a couple of years within seconds of each other. Yeah, um, just run it steady, and that's one of my goals is like okay, you're gonna stay in shape for Boston, and that keeps me a, a certain level of athleticism at least running wise. Yeah. And and I don't want to get too much into running because both of us are bigger guys and I still like the lift and everything. And I walk around right at 200. Yeah. So I don't want to get super skinny and just run, run, run all the time. Um, but that's just kind of one of the things that makes me feel good in life. And it's a challenge. It's also like one of the hardest things for me to do is be a good runner because my physiology says <laughs> don't run, just go squat lift weights but that's kind of the fun of the challenge yeah 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 man well i've noticed too like i even yesterday morning i was running down this trail and i did the thing where i was zoning out and then all of a sudden i tripped and started falling forward but i'm but most of the time i'm able to like catch myself upper body strength pull myself back upright and i'm like oh yeah this is why i lift weights and this is why i i do other workouts you know and then one time i was going down this trail stupidly i've I've done this like three years in a row now like an idiot i go to this trail in the winter and there's one section of it that just turns into like a bobsled <laughs> you know just pure ice you know and it's straight yeah. down and every year i'm like how am i doing this again like shouldn't i learn and uh anyway so i'll slip and then i'll fall back and like catch myself with my arm right and i'm like oh yeah upper body strength it, it is important <laughs> there you go man yeah but but yeah dude um i guess opposite of that 
I want to hear about the step up world record. So not upper body strength at all, <laughs> all lower body strength. Uh, just randomly, seemingly to me and everyone else, except maybe you, uh, you, you got up one day, went to work, after work decided I'm going to go for the step up world record like right now. Yeah. Randomly is absolutely correct. In <laughs> um, the back of my, I, there's a couple exercises that I do in the gym that are really good, like explosion step ups where you alternate legs, jump off the box because that helps with like climbing. I do a ton of mountaineering and things. So that really helps you with the power to propel yeah. yourself up the mountain. And with a pack on, it helps build up that quad. So I guess in the back of my head, when I moved here during quarantine, I just, the gyms were open for a little bit in Arizona and then they closed down. And one of the things I always do in the gym is step ups, but in the place I'm living, it actually has a box already here. I was like, Oh, that's fake. Right. <laughs> so I looked, I was like, there has to be a world record for step ups. Cause it's such a common exercise. It's one of the things like Guinness, all they have push ups, pull ups, all that. Yeah. So I Googled, Guinness step up world record <laughs> and I was expecting maybe it to be like a one hour record or something but it happened to be eight hours why why eight hours that was that was a question when I saw it I don't even know you yeah. know it was eight hours set in 2011 that's the only record they have for step ups they have one um where it's like with a hundred pound pack or something for a mm. minute um but I like the longer stuff because what it does to your mind yeah so, and then I saw that the step was 15 inches and I was like, okay, the one I have is 14 inches, but I have some flooring that's like an inch, <laughs> the gyms we build, right? Yeah. There was some leftover flooring. So it's an inch thick. It's like, oh, put two of those down and I step on one that makes it 15, you know? <laughs> uh, and then I was quarantined. I mean, I know we're during coronavirus, but I went and got, I, when I was in Washington, I was climbing with my girlfriend. And I came back and I had a fever for a couple of days. And I'm like, man, I'm just being socially responsible. I went through one of the drive through places to get tested. And once I got tested, I come in, I was like, until I know the test, I'm going to stay inside. Yeah. Right? Um, but I, I was like, step up record in the back of my head. I'm staying inside. All I got to step. Uh, let's clear this fever. Two days after the fever was gone. I, in the back of my head, I just finished a certification when I quarantined too. And when I moved here, I started a certification on nutrition. So I was like, I got to put this to the test. Usually I would test it by doing like a long bike ride or something long run. It's like, what a perfect way to a see what I put into practice with this nutrition, if it yeah. works. Yeah. So, and B to do it during quarantine. So I can look back at this time in my life and know I did something positive rather than just moped around and watch Netflix. Yeah. Yeah. So B was like, I'm the kind of person now where I can't stand people that like say they're going to do something. They always talk about it. I'm like, I'm just going to do this and video this. And after I'll talk about it. And it could yeah. be like that hurt or man, that was a success. So once those are all aligned, you're the same way. You're a doer, man. It's like, I can't sit and not do it. Like I finished work on Friday at like one o'clock. And then I'm like, Let's rock and roll. Had some cold <laughs> brew, <laughs> set the step up, got Pandora on the TV in front of me, set the video cameras up and just recorded the thing and went on a go-to meeting uh, with my girlfriend. I didn't share it with anybody except Holly. And so she jumped on periodically and would like say something and I'm just stepping in place, man. 
Was she like, you still stepping up? And you're like, yeah. You're like, okay. yeah. She locked in randomly. And she would like, because it was on GoToMeeting, the whole thing was recorded. And she would like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm, what do you think I'm doing? You know, like we're just. <laughs> but it worked out to be 13,650 feet of gain and loss in eight hours. That's insane, man. Just that stat alone is insane to me but also seeing the video and seeing how many steps you were doing and i read your your post the other day you said i can't even read my writing 23 per minute yeah. is what you had to shoot for and obviously you must have gotten did you get more than that or yeah, and that's up and down so i didn't even do the double that's step up it's like step <laughs> onto the platform <laughs> that's insane man well i i mean i have to ask this too you're waiting for a COVID test to come back. Like, did it come back during this or before it? Or were you still, still waiting? Still pending, man. I'm still eight days out. So you could have done this all possibly, I mean, obviously just recovering from being sick from something, you know? Right. That's yeah, the insane. oxygen, I always measure like with climbing. Yeah. I have an O2 meter, my oxygen saturation. Usually oh, you do that while you're, while you're climbing up mountains? Correct. Yeah. Oh, that's see a good I'm idea. Yeah. yeah. But I have one of those. So I always check my like vitals, my rest and heart rate. And it was definitely off because my oxygen saturation was 92, 93. But I knew on this that I could stop anytime. I mean, what a controlled environment. I'm in my own house. Yeah. Right. Like I had Cytomax bottles next to me, dude. I, at, I over three, I had some fresh blueberries. Yeah. And like, they just hit, I was so thankful for the littlest thing. Like I'm eating fresh blueberries and I'm just, by that time, already singing a song about blueberries. I just made up a song. Like I'm, I'm so bored stepping in place about just I, blueberries are life. You know, it didn't even rhyme, but I just went with it. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, tell me about the nutrition or the fueling recommendations. Yeah. So the course I took was a NASM nutrition coach. Uh, so then it, one of the interesting things is anything under an hour, they say you don't need fuel for. But I just match the carbohydrate recommendations of 35 to 60 grams per hour and added a little bit more because we're bigger guys with our body weight. Like I've always went off three times my body weight in kilograms. So that's roughly around 250 calories an hour to shoot for on yeah. hard endurance efforts. Um, but this, I kept my heart rate a little more in check until the end. I actually negative split the step up thing. So at the end, I, the last four hours, I did more than the first. Um, but I stayed on top, and I felt great. My average heart rate was a little under 130. And it's such a muscular effort on the quad. It's like a pistol squat. Yeah. There's not much way to go more because you'll destroy your calves. Like for two days after, I could not walk like on my toes. I Frankenstein walked. My calves were destroyed, man. Your calves? Calves, yeah. Why Why calves? I'm just trying to just imagine. all that game from stepping up and being mm. on the ball of your foot. Mm, um, that makes sense. Yeah, the Canadian guy that did it, he had a hip flexor injury, and he actually, I looked into it more and said on the Guinness thing that he had a heat stroke. I don't know what he was doing. It must have been hot in Canada, but he actually suffered a heat stroke and a hip flexor injury. <sighs> Dude, how hot can it get in Canada? No, I'm just kidding. I mean, I don't, <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm sure it can get warm, but I made sure I had a little fan on me and I, I set the temperature right at 70 here in yeah. Arizona. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, dude. He. I mean, I guess if you were outside in Arizona, it'd be a whole different story. Oh, that's a whole different story. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, oh, so I'm just trying to wrap my head around the nutrition thing. Like, what 
what were you eating the whole time? And like, how did you get, did you get it exactly what you wanted? Or were you like trying to get in the area? Or were you trying to be like as completely exact as you possibly could be since yeah i kept it exact like i wrote down exactly i've got a piece of paper over here where i wrote down exactly what i had but it was right at so i filled up cytomax is roughly 80 calories per bottle with uh just one scoop so i put a 20 ounce bottle and i put two and a half scoops in each cytomax so that was like a food bottle essentially and then on top of that i set out the um waffles like the little honey stinger waffles yeah and a goo gel and every hour i would alternate between a honey stinger waffle and a goo gel the other thing i was close to a sink so i would drink water whenever i wanted water kept filling um blueberries hour three had a little watermelon at hour five just to change it up Uh, but that's it man And, and honestly i felt great like at the end I, I bumped my heart rate up to 160 beats per minute and was just jumping off the step. Like I had kind of like when we raced together, dude, I had a ton of reserve. If somebody said, Cameron, you need to step up for another two hours. I could have yeah. done it. I wouldn't have yeah. been too happy, but I would have done it. Most energetic man on earth. <laughs> <laughs> just patient, you know, I wait for it. when I. <laughs> That's true, man. No. So the heart rate thing, obviously like heart rate training is huge. And you've been mentioned with clients who've never been runners before. That's yeah. kind of the path you lead, lead them down. And I, I mean, I would 100% agree. Like if you're a new runner or new to exercise, heart rate should be the thing you're focused on first, because otherwise you're going to push it too hard and burn out or not push it hard enough or whatever. So like, what are you shooting for? Like you said, a lot of people may be like a weight loss journey or body composition change, man. They just try to go and get on the treadmill and go all out and do these workouts all. But that is great. But you're burning just carbohydrates essentially. And you're wearing your body down. Like it cannot take that effort day in and day out. Uh, So I just try to go to like the metabolic efficiency zone on long stuff. And for me, that's nowhere near my max heart rate. It's like 65% or so, but I know I can stay there all day and just yeah. build up that base zone. And like on efforts like that, that's where I'll camp out at. Now, if I'm racing, it's a different story, but like these long trail runs with friends, like last year we did the whole rim to rim to rim in the grand Canyon and stuff, man, we just get there. We all hang out. We communicate together, make sure we're fueling. And it adds that level of safety in and removes yeah. a little bit of the unknown. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, and when I've talked to people about ultra running, that's what I try to like, because I think people have this view of people running 50, hundred miles, you know, as fast as they possibly could. Now, like, obviously there are those huge, like elite, elite guys who can go and girls who can go do that and just crank it out. But I'm like, for most of us, like you want to be able to keep a conversation pace you know you're you're not out of breath if you're out of breath you're like screwing yourself over basically exactly man that's the aerobic threshold that you just described once you go over that that means you're kind of going out of zone two which that you're yeah so we want to stay in zone two or in breath that's a great way to describe it but i guess with this like just that movement of stepping up like that's an exhausting movement so how i mean obviously you're in great shape so that's probably part of it but like keeping that heart rate down, like it just seems that would be more difficult, I guess. Exactly. I think then it goes to the sport specific strength of doing a lot of those to build up the quadricep strength. 
yeah. right? Um, like two years ago, I was on a rappel. I was actually on the border of Uganda, Uganda and the Congo, rappelling off the third highest mountain in the middle of nowhere, Africa. Beautiful place, the Ruanzori's. And that's where I think I injured my hip, either there or a skiing accident. So I got an MRI on it, and there's some slight scar tissue. My labrum's not torn, but since then, I've, like, dedicated on those machines when the gyms open my abductor and adductor. You know those machines most of the time you just see ladies on? Yeah, yeah. Dude, I am the guy that lives on that machine. I mean, I don't even care. When I first started, I was doing 40 pounds on each one of them. But I will straight pulse all day with my inner thighs. Now, have you looked for a Guinness World Record uh, <laughs> no, that, that is just that is just to keep my body going. Because I mean, we take it, we really beat our bodies up, so you have to be proactive to take care of them. Yeah. Um, so that's one of those sports specific things. Doing that, I think, allowed me to build up those muscle groups in my quads from step ups to allow my body to stay at that heart rate because I had the muscular strength. If you don't have that muscular strength. It's like taking the Kenyan to the Ironman that they've tried to do a couple times, right? Like yeah. the great marathoner doesn't have that sport-specific leg strength to power the bike. Gotcha. And, and he doesn't throw down the times that you would expect him to because he doesn't have that sport-specific strength. Yeah. Is that kind of why – Let's. I, if I get on my, like, trainer, my bike trainer, and I'm not – I don't – I do it, like, once every week, basically. So it's not yeah. the thing I do all the time. I sweat a billion times more on that machine than any time I go for a run. Is that, yeah. does that have something to do with it or just cause my legs aren't as used to that or yeah. what? Two things can happen there. It's like running on the treadmill too. There's no breeze coming at you. At least mm, when you're running, you're okay. creating some wind to cool you down. Right. Yeah. So yeah, you're sitting inside. If there's not a fan on you, you are going to sweat. You're going to notice it. Okay. Um, nice, that makes sense. Dude, I have to ask about Uganda. You can't just throw like, hey, I was on the border of Uganda repelling and just super like. Super thick, man. Uh, they're called the Ruanzori Mountains, Mountains of the Moon. Okay. Um, and went there. I've climbed Kilimanjaro. Since we last talked, climbed Kilimanjaro with the girlfriend last year. But before that, I went. And this place is off the beaten track, man. Like no one goes there. So flew into Kampala then took a little transport plane to a dirt airstrip out into Kasase and landed only one off the plane. They let me off, right? Russian pilot, get off the plane. And then I'm on this dirt airstrip. Then on the back of the dirt airstrip, get on the back of a motorbike. Cause that I had arranged to meet this guy named John Hunwick, which was in the Australian special forces, right? This old cat is off. I mean, he's like 65 tough as nails has one lung but still hiking and he owns a service called ruinzori trekking services okay i did like three months of recon on this to even learn it. <laughs> yeah I had to read a telegraph like the london newspaper the telegraph is how i found out this guy lived here and then he had two guys that because mount stanley's still a glacier and it's not like a shield volcano say like mount hood it looks like a shield and at like, the top yeah yeah, this is a whole range. So the White Nile comes out of there. The Blue Nile comes out of Lake Victoria. So I wanted to see what the White Nile, like find the source of the Nile is an iconic thing, right? So I wanted to climb to the top of this mountain because nobody goes there. It looks like Jurassic Park in the photos that you go through. Uh, I'm looking at some pictures right now, man. That's that's 100% correct. <laughs> yeah, Jurassic Park, dude. Six days <laughs> 
didn't see another soul, went in with these two guys that were super cool and was just out there in the wilderness, man. And, I mean, we skipped camp the last day. It ended up being like an 18-hour day because we skipped one camp and then climbed it and came back down. But I, I, I broke one of my rules, like testing out new gear, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I've always wore the same size mountaineering boot, so I ordered some lighter boots because you had to kind of trek through the mud and everything here, like wear what they call gum boots that come up to your knee. But I was like, I can use my climbing boots for that. But the boots didn't really – the sole didn't break in, so they were still slippery a good bit on the on the rock, the type of rock and the lichen or the moss. So, rappelling down, it wasn't icy all the way, but there were some spots. So, I rappelled, and then my left leg popped out of the side. And you ever feel that, like – it just, It was just like a pop in my yeah. interior hip. And I think that's when the injury, like, occurred. Is there any fear, like, when you're in the middle of nowhere – and you have something kind I mean, I know that's not like a broken leg or anything like that, but like something kind of went wrong. Is there any fear in that moment? Or is it just like what you said yeah. earlier? Like, I just got to focus on what I can actually get yeah. done here. I think the body right then, cause you're on the rope and you're repelling and I was in the clouds and like, you really can't see even where the rope ends at the bottom all the way. I came up it right yeah. with a Jumar. So I knew that everything was good to go down. So it's like immediate damage control. Like, all right, we can worry about that hip once we get off this rope. Right? Yeah. And then they kinda, the kind of – the frustrating thing was walking back down after the boots even slipped more. So I took a couple more falls and just really beat up my hip. But I was so thankful to be back down and like off the rocky part right next to the glacier that I was like, man, the whole experience of climbing the highest mountain in the Congo because it's on the border yeah. of Uganda and Congo. It's called Mount Stanley. I was stoked. And that's what life's all about. You know, that's dude, that's incredible, man. Like even I, how did, how did you even come up with that? You just said you read an article about it or. Yeah, well, I've got a really good friend. Um, he's a Marine helicopter pilot. Yeah. This cat saved his money. Um, and he's not worked in like six years. So he just travels around the world, lives half the time in Poland and Philippines and we're climbing partners. So we've climbed in Peru together, New Zealand, um, we climbed Mount Rainier together the other year. Uh, he told me about it, and I was like, all right, I'm game on. You know? <laughs> and something happened that he couldn't make it, so both of us are just chargers. And then when it gets in our head, like, yeah. I was just all focused on making it happen. That's awesome, man. I remember seeing a map once, and it, it was kind of, like, colored by, the, by how easily accessible places are. Like, right. can you get to a place – I think it was all from like New York city or something. So it was like, can you get from New York city to uh, a place in six hours? Could you get there in a day? Can you get there in two days? And then there was like all these places that was like, um, it takes a whole entire week or it takes two weeks even. And I'm like, wow, for there to be places in the world where it still takes two weeks or more to travel yeah. there is incredible. That and it makes it so worth it, man. Yeah. Like, I love Central Central Africa's wild. On that trip, I saw an African spitting cobra. Um, I saw a silverback gorilla out in the jungle. I got pictures of a silverback gorilla. Actually, then he was with, like, a couple females, and then the silverback gorilla started mating with one of the females. And I'm, like, three feet away. Seriously. It was – it's – it's like one of those things like i have that video on my phone and i'm like is that national geographic or is that legal you know <laughs> that's amazing man wow dude i just 
that's that's incredible that's that's super cool that you you know are able to go out and do that and um you know we'll get back to the step up world record for a second but one thing i remember uh the story you told me about um when you decided to head off on your own uh make your own path instead of just working for another company or something like that 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 was the story that you know i just really respected and admired you for because um because i think like going off on your own path and making your own way has allowed you to go out and do ex- like have experiences like that you know yeah and, and i think there's certain times in life that we have the we have there's opportunities for us but you have to have the courage of the as an individual to make that what others would see as a difficult choice but the right choice yeah. right if you everybody's different but if I didn't make that courageous decision at the time, there's no way I would be making the decisions I am making now because I've not built up that. I don't want to say base, but I've built up those wealth of experiences where if I'm confronted with a hard decision or something that others might not want to do, I'm like, yeah, it's a learning experience. Let's go into it with an open mind. And then I always say like, when you walk into the unknown, you're answering those questions. You didn't even know were there in the first place. Right. Yeah. And then, you can share those experiences like I'm sharing with you now about what the other side of the world looks like. And it's kind of empowering, but at the same time, it's a way of life, man. And I'm, I'm committed to that way of life. Yeah. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Well, so back up to the, you know, <laughs> it's funny, like going from an experience where you're in Africa all the way across the country to like, which seems so open and vast and and now you're also doing an adventure in your apartment or your house doing the step doing a step up world record yeah. like which seems so like you know closed closed in uh but it's cool that you can do both and um so when you're doing it though i read uh on your post um no tv no music you weren't doing rocky on vhs this time no. you weren't doing top gun on vhs like like the oh, burpees like burpees yeah <laughs> so what's what's going through your mind you know yeah well i tell you the first 200 was were the toughest like i put on pandora because i'm in front of a tv and i put on pandora the first 200 or so yeah and man i had a dark place like i had no when we did the burpee world record it really had a purpose um to raise the funds for where shoals in the school in peru and we still outfit man that's still going on like the school in peru man They've still got the climbing wall down there, the school supplies. Like, that's a lasting impact. This is one of those things I just wanted to do because it needed to be done. Like, there yeah. was no real underlying reason it's that, no, nah, do it because you want to yeah. do it. So, yeah. I, I turned everything off at around the 200 marker, like eight, mu- eight minutes in, and just kind of like, it's funny, but just went inside my own head and found something to hang on to. Like, and that moment was like, do this because you just want to do it. And then I was like, once you have something to hang on to, then you can bring back more like stimulus to keep you going. And so then after about a thousand, I turned back on Pandora and just listened to music the rest of the time. And it could have been Elton John to Jim Croce to War on Drugs Radio, just a varied amount, man. Yeah, yeah. That's cool, man. I like that idea because I just think there's so much to, like you'll tell people that you'll go for a run without headphones and people will be like, I can't believe you do that. How do you do that? And you're like, I mean, I, I 
think through things kind of. And I also yeah. at the same time, don't think about anything, you know? That's it. Yeah, dude. I think anything where you have to rely on external sensory or motivation, then you're, if you start to rely on it, like a pre-workout drink or some kudos on social media or something to get you started, right? Like just because we sign, it's great if you sign up for a race, but if you sign up for a race and people are like, congrats before you actually do it, it actually fulfills part of your dream that you already done it. And you think that you've already done part of it, but when you really, you've done nothing but toe the line. Yeah. So I am just all about like, man, if there was no social media, I was in a, just all alone, like, dude, I just want to do it because I want to do it. And that's the life. Like I love living that life and I'm committed to it. That's amazing, man. Yeah. I like you wrote uh, action first and then reflecting, like do it, just get it done. You know? Yeah. It's powerful, man. And then whatever's inside of you, you get to express it. And then you actually talk about the result to others or or that could have been in a like a catastrophic failure. We could have been talking at six thousand. My knee became dislocated. Right? Yeah. <laughs> that would have sucked. But I would have learned. Like, hey, step ups aren't for me. You know? Yeah, yeah, man. I know that's awesome. And I also like you use the term, which is the great, like an amazing term. One of the best things I've read is the conquistador of the useless. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> it doesn't have to have some deep purpose, right? Like yeah. at the end of the day, um, do what you want to do because you want to do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. That's, yeah, that's, I mean, I think that kind of out of everything is, is the most important thing we can draw from, you know, cause if, if that is your internal drive, there's nothing that's going to defeat that, you know, like if you're like, I'm just doing this cause I actually want to do this, you no self doubt, nothing's going to come in and knock you off that course then yeah yeah it's your i mean it's kind of cool and then you're in control of it right <laughs> yeah dude no i love that man so was there was there a point like a like what did it feel like seven hours in? you said you actually sped up yeah i think the hardest point i wrote it on there it was around six thousand or seven thousand man my knee around that point like stepping up there was just sharp shooting pain um right near my kneecap i was like kind of afraid because you never want to hurt yourself right yeah yeah um so i did about four or five and every one of them like was like oh and i was kind of relying on the pistol squat more or less and powering up through the quad rather than pushing off with my calves because yeah. if i pushed off with my left calf that actually helped my right knee but if i use my calf muscles it's like a stair climber if you, you can fatigue those smaller muscles much quicker than the larger muscle groups so I've been cognizant of not to push off with my toes because that would have mm. beat my calves, therefore driving my heart rate up higher instead of yeah. using my large muscle group. So all that, even though it doesn't seem calculated at first, all that's in my head throughout the whole thing, right? Yeah. But then around that 7,000 mark, I then started pushing off more with my calves to compensate for my right quad sort of fatiguing and then shooting that pain. So I, I then put like a biofreeze on it. And I got one of those little self-massagers, a hypervolt. So I stopped a little bit and warmed up the tissue around it as best I could. Yeah. And then took in nutrition and then went back to it cautiously, but got the job done. And then it was, did it, I mean, did you still feel it or was it? Completely? Yeah, I was consciously then pushing off with my calf more, mm. which I think that's why I led to the calf fatigue. Cause I was around 7,000. I did 10,920 steps. So the last 4,000 was more predominantly smaller muscle groups. Yeah. While the first 4,000 
was mostly large muscle groups. Yeah, I got you, man. Well, I'm just imagining you right now going into your house in the morning and seeing a neighbor waving at him, like feeling good, right? And coming out of the house a day later, like zombie walking, Frankenstein walking, and your neighbor being like, what just happened? Like, I know he didn't leave the house. Yeah, yeah. don't worry. I didn't tell, no one around here even knows anything, you know? Like, <laughs> it's just whatever. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> hey, they're like, did that guy just set a Guinness World Record in his, in his house? <laughs> yeah. The, the thing too, I always say to people, and we say this in business, is like anything self-proclaimed is most likely a lie unless yeah. it's validated. So the worst thing I want to do, if somebody came up to me in the street and told me about the Guinness World Record, they said like, shut up, you know? <laughs> What's the point? Quit Dude. talking about yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I remember uh, going to football camp when I was uh, going into my senior year, and we went yeah. to the University of Iowa's football camp. And so there are kids from, you know, all around the state, mostly. And my friend Sean had this roommate uh, and he, he didn't know him or anything. And the roommate just starts talking like, yeah, man, my dad invented arena football. And we're like, sure, sure he did, man. Like, sure, your dad invented arena football. Yeah. We made fun of him the whole entire camp, obviously. Like, yeah, okay, okay, dude. And then later, we, you know, we come home like a month later or not a month later, but like a week later. And we, we go on Google and of course he's not lying. He's telling the truth. And we're like, but you're right, dude. Like if you're going out, just spouting it, you know, it's the worst. And like, we can talk in confidence about adventure stories and stuff, but it's just something you don't bring up. Like I can't stand like story toppers and stuff too. You know, like if anybody's always trying to tell extra story, like there's no need for me to bring up a gorilla story at the end of the day or something. Just let it be. And, and honestly, I already know my stories. So it's more interesting to listen to other people's stories. Yeah. Yeah. And it just flows. Well, and if it comes up in conversation that I saw a gorilla mating in Uganda, then it comes up, but you just don't lead off the conversation about it. You know, uh, man, I think you should lead off the conversation with that. <laughs> I, I, I think I'd be a lot to put up with. You know? <laughs> That's amazing, man. Well, dude, so, you know, what did you do when you finished then? Like, how did you, did you celebrate or did you just go to bed? Yeah, I was pretty pumped. Actually, because I fueled right. I was not hungry. Yeah. Which I couldn't believe. Um, I had a couple beers in the fridge. So I had two beers, right? And I was like (laughs) stoked about that. (laughs) Uh, And other than that, I couldn't go to sleep right away, but I invested earlier in quarantine with arcade. So I got a CM1, like full-size arcade in the house. (laughs) And I love Galaga and Dig Dug. So I think I hit a top five score on one of those that night. I think actually it was Dig Dug. I hit hit a score around 80,000, which I'm pretty happy dude that's it (laughs) that's amazing man uh speaking of world records and arcade games one of the greatest documentaries i've ever seen was called king of kong have you heard of this absolutely man dude i watched that movie once by myself and instantly was like i turned to my wife i'm like you gotta come in here and we gotta re i gotta watch this again and watch it again it was like one of the greatest sports movies i've ever seen but it was about an arcade world record setting event. <laughs> yeah. His name, Billy or something is his name. Right. The bad guy, dude. I was telling my neighbor about it. I'm like, the good guy is like a family man 
teacher like you're rooting for him and then the bad guy is uh ben stiller's character from dodgeball yeah basically. with the long hair owns a hot sauce company lives in florida hollywood florida the good guy steve weebly i think is his name he's um from washington state dude. i love he's that like, you know this man yeah man dude, i love the fact of the um twin twin galaxies holds yeah. the records for arcade games yes one day, it would be an honor of mine to break an arcade record. Like, I love – I'm not even going down a side road. Galaga, I use it a, ra- a dry erase marker, and yeah. I learn on the levels of what are the kill zones. So I mark on there to stay away from those kill zones so I can be better over time, dude. That's amazing, man. Well, uh, dude, yeah, you totally should. I think is – it, is it relaxing to you? Is it a way to, like, you know, you're working all day, especially – being an entrepreneur, I have to imagine it's just like constant, like you could yeah. work constantly probably. And yeah. you probably it never to- turns off, dude. It's always yeah. in the back of my head. Cause I really care a lot about our team and the people we work with. And it's like, you'll have this idea at nine o'clock at night and I'll go write it down and try to implement it. But I just want the best for everyone on the team. Yeah. And I feel like my performance needs to be at my best all the time. So it is, it is quite fatiguing. And, and when you're at stage 21 in Galaga, and you've got you got the missiles coming down from the bugs on the left, and you know not to go left because you've had that happen all the time. You got to go back <laughs> and get the grain and go right if you're going to get that right, and still have two ships to get to the bonus round. That's yeah. bad. I know all that. That is clear. <laughs> <laughs> that does, man. I've talked to so many people who have various strategies, and it's hilarious because you know whether it's like my wife, she'll like color. She'll do like the adult coloring book stuff. And it yeah. just clears her mind or my buddy builds Legos because he's like, I just like Legos because it tells you what to do. And you just have to mindlessly build shit like that. You know, like it's just it's yeah. good that, you know, like you have coping mechanisms with with being an entrepreneur, because I think at times it could probably just be like overwhelming. Oh, yeah. It's you're always on. I think that running is therapeutic. Yeah. I read like I'm committed. I'm reading two, three books a month on average and logging a little bit about what each one is. So I've got I love building up that actual physical library of books. But at the same time, if there's something that's going to take me completely away, it's the arcade rather than like a PS4 or something. Yeah. I don't care anything about a long story in a game or something. I, mean, I just yeah. want to turn it on simple. Right. And at the same time, challenge. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Well, so to kind of wrap up, uh, the podcast, I want to hear you wrote this uh, on your reflection. I thought it'd be a cool way to kind of end it. But um, you were talking about the moment when your mindset kind of turns bulletproof and you're just like, this is going to get done no matter what. What like, can you either give us like strategies to help that happen or just kind of like just describe how that feels for you? Um, you know, yeah, I think. The first thing is that accept it. Some people can say, you know, some people talk about the rule. If you're going to work out, go run five minutes and give yourself the time or grace at five minutes out. You can turn around and come back in. Right. You can always. But most 99 percent of the time, you're never going to turn around. Um, So you have to go through our bodies, that fight or flight response. You have to then accept where you're at. But then there comes this time. And you, a lot of people might get it from running ultras where you just give in to where you are, like you're totally aware of everything in the moment, right? And it's like a sensory overload. It's almost like you gain this sixth sense of knowing that you got this, right? 
Have you ever seen the movie The For the Love of the Game with Kevin Costner? I have not, but it's on the list because we've done we've been doing like the Kevin Costner baseball movies. <laughs> yeah. And he had he has this scene, he's a, a major league pitcher, and he's near retirement, right? And he just relies on his instincts and his his whole experience. So one thing I do is just let the mind go numb and I say clear the mechanism. And that's the same thing that he does in the um, movie and everything turns to a blur right then like doing the burpees for 24 hours i am where i am i'm totally committed to being in this moment and there's nothing that's going to enter my mind that i'm going to let stay in that's a negative influence yeah and it's like super fluidity if you want to say to it you know it's like you're just it's the zone that people talk about yeah um, i think you have to get your new i mean that's a big thing you have to be committed to the effort you have to make sure, of course, physiology that you have the training built up to do the effort. Yeah. You have to have that nutrition down, but you have to have that commitment to letting go and letting everything take over that you've built up for your lifetime. Those skills do the job that needs to be done. That's awesome, man. Well, dude, let's, let's wrap it there. That was amazing. Cameron, thank you for coming on the show. Um, where can people kind of like follow your journey or support a uh, suitcase of courage or yeah. things like that. So the suitcase of courage.com. If you want to find out more about our business and the team, um, I've also listed these on a little TBN on suitcase of courage. Some of these adventures I've started to write a little bit about it. Cool. Um, suitcase of courage, Facebook page. We're teaching online classes for free. If anybody wants to jump on. Yeah, I saw that, our, man. I've seen a couple of those like yoga classes. And, and Yeah, so our team's got a day of the week. Mondays are circuits. Tuesdays are yoga. I do core on Wednesday. Thursdays are mobility. Um, on Facebook, Cameron Dorn. I keep it. I've got an Instagram, but I put two posts up my whole life. So if you want to find <laughs> me on Facebook or feel free yeah. to reach out for our website. That's awesome, man. Well, thanks for coming on, man. And I, I look forward to chatting with you again in the future at some point. Chris, great connecting. Keep charging, brother. Yeah, see you, man. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Cameron, thank you so much, man. Like I said, uh, really appreciated the conversation. I always leave talking to you just inspired and ready to go take on the world, which for me right now, training for this ultra, which is supposed to take place during Labor Day, is definitely needed because I do feel like for that race, which is Boonville Backroads Ultra, the wins a long time ago were taken out of the sale and now I'm trying to like slowly get those wins back under that sale again, you know, <laughs> and training's been going good, but, uh, but those are, you know, when you're in the midst of your long weeks with a lot of miles and a lot of time on your feet, man, that can just be a grind and you can, those are the times that make or break a race. It's not the race itself. It's not the event itself. It's all that prep work that nobody sees, nobody appreciates, nobody cares. No one's high-fiving you, clapping you on, you know, anything like that. Um, you're way, I, at least for me, I'm waking up at like 3.30 in the morning to go out for these long runs. And, you know, at 3.30 in the morning, there's no fanfare. It's you and your brain. And your brain is fighting you. And it's like, hey, man, go back to sleep. What are you doing? And the rest of your body is basically like, we have to do this. This is what we do. It's like, this is what we do now. And your brain's like, why? Why is this what you do? <laughs> but, uh, but it's all worth it, you know, once you can do it. So I'm actually kind of excited for the race because I am 
facing an event that right now I, I haven't stoked the passion for it yet. You know, like I was for the longest time when everything was running smoothly, my buddies were going all that stuff. Like I was like super excited for it. And, and then that's kind of drained out and now I'm slowly getting excited for it again. And that, so that'll be an interesting experience for sure. Uh, it reminds me of last year, um, Iowa football played Iowa state in football. And there was like uh, in the middle of like huge rivalry game, like crazy amount of fans, all this stuff, like crazy atmosphere. And then halfway through the, the game, there's a rain delay. And so like, Oh, just deflated balloon basically. And then they all come back out, maybe play, maybe a couple more plays, another like hours long rain delay. And and then they finally come out. It was like an eight-hour football game or something crazy. And it's just like, whoa, to like keep that energy, that excitement up for that long, that is an experience into itself. So uh, it's kind of <laughs> been similar to that. Um, so I am excited to see with that adversity, am I going to be able to get it done? And I think it's a really cool um, opportunity for self-exploration in that sense. So. So yeah, but I got a text from Cameron Dorn today that was just like, Hey man, you're going to crush it. Keep kicking butt. I can't remember the exact wording. It might not have said that in the exact words, but that was the sentiment. And you know, like people never remember exactly what you say, but they remember the sentiment and how you made them feel. And I was like, Oh, like I read that. And I was like, yes, I can do this. I felt confident. I felt some of that confidence come back in. Uh, so that was awesome, man. Um, hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Hopefully you're at home now, like as you're listening, stepping up on like a, you know, a box in your, in your room, just repeatedly nonstop. I put a video on Facebook, uh, a couple of days ago, um, that Cameron, he must've filmed, I mean, he filmed the whole thing, but he, he fast forwarded the first hour and you just see the whole first hour in two minutes and you're like, he just, he just keeps going. Like, this is what he's doing. He's just going up and down, stepping on this box so many times. It's crazy. Uh, and it's, it's very impressive for sure. Um, that documentary we talked about, King of Kong, A Fistful of Quarters, you got to watch it. I, I don't even remember when it came out. I guess I could look up, you know, some info about it. But the thing is absolutely incredible. Oh, it was released in 2007. I don't even know where you can find it now. I don't know if it's streaming on anything. It's worth it though. If you go, if you're like, Oh, I have to pay like three 99 to rent it, dude, rent it immediately. You're going to watch it at least twice, if not a billion more times, if not just being like, Oh, I got to buy this now. Like it's so funny. It's so compelling. And I called it a sports movie. And my wife was like, Lindsay was like, why, why did you call it a, that's not, it's not a sports movie. They're playing an arcade and I'm like, ah, I get it. I guess it's not, but it's a competition and you got the clear cut good guy versus the clear cut bad guy. There are training montages. There are, um, just unbelievable characters that show up and it's, it's like the Rocky of video game arcade Documentaries. (laughs) documentaries <laughs> and the whole time there's this dude who's the the quote-unquote bad guy uh named billy mitchell and you're just like this guy 
this guy is like just what you imagine a bad guy in like a cheesy 80s sports movie to be you know like he's like the dudes in like karate kid who are the bad guys cobra kai he's like those guys but in real life and you're like this cannot be real <laughs> but it is real it is you gotta watch it it's called king of kong fistful of quarters i've only watched it twice but it was i watched it and then immediately like as the credits are rolling i was like i am got to spend another hour and a half and watch that again because it was so worth it and it's so incredible so um yeah highly recommend that um but yeah guys come back next week we got some other cool episodes recorded in the process of trying to uh record some episodes about the eco challenge which is uh this giant adventure race uh they're just releasing on amazon this week i think tomorrow so i wanted to watch it first and then hopefully i'm going to be able to contact you know a few people uh, who participated in it and uh, get the opportunity to kind of chat with them about the event. But I want to do a couple episodes about it because it it looks like such an amazing, huge physical challenge and, and adventures. So uh, probably ripe with an, a, lot, a lot of awesome stories. So anyways, guys, yeah, look forward to that. And uh, we'll get we'll get back at you next week. All right. See ya.